Today is the last day in the Genesis series. Uh, Next week, I'm going to start a new series. I'm going to talk about strength to overcome. You'll hear me share a little bit about it today, but the strength to overcome what is it that, you know, when, when, when obviously when the Lord talks to us about being his and, um, and he's called us to live a certain way, but how come is it that so many times that, you know, somebody will ask the question, hey, well, can believers still struggle with other things? I say, absolutely, especially. And, uh, but, but God's given us, he's given us the promise and, if you will, he's given you the strength power, whichever we want to call it, to overcome things in your life that used to, you couldn't overcome. We're going to talk about those things. I'm very much looking forward to that next week. But as we finish Genesis today, this has been such a, such an important, personally, such an important series to look at, very foundational. And, um, and there are four sections to the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And, uh, and there's the, the creation and then the fall. Those two are, are huge foundationally, okay? Foundationally, these are huge. Um, when you look at the other parts of the Bible, you'll see that today. But then you, uh, you have creation, you have the, the fall, and then you have the flood, and everything around that, Enoch and others. And then you have Babylon, okay? The rise and fall of Babylon, the Tower of Babel. And so those are kind of the four sections, but it's the first two I want us to look at. Now, we've already finished all of those things. We took most of the summer to talk about Genesis. But I couldn't, I couldn't not do what I'm going to share with you today. Uh, because there's a part of the scripture. We're gonna, I'm just going to warn you out front. We're going we're gonna to kind of take the submarine down a little bit, okay? And uh, let's get a little bit deeper look at the scriptures. You know that there, there's not only what the scriptures teach us, but there's so much that is under the surf, surface that, that you see by looking, by seeking the scripture teaches. You'll see it today. It's really clear. But there's a whole section of Romans in Romans uh, chapter 5 that talks about Adam and there's this picture between Adam and Christ, and, and I just couldn't not do this. Because so many times you read these passages, and it's easy, it's easy just to skip over them. I can't really get that. I can't understand that. But since we've just talked about Genesis and the, and the creation story, there's an incredible picture here, okay? There's an incredible picture here to look at. I've called it the tale of two trees, Okay? The tale of two trees. In fact, it's not just the trees, but it's, 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 it's twos, it's pairs. And the comparison of between the, what happened to Adam and who Christ is. And you're going to see this. In fact, I share that with you all the time. But this one's different. It's a little, I won't call it more complicated. It's just a little bit deeper. And you have, to, you have to go down a little bit more to take a look at it. So you'll see what I'm talking about today. But we just couldn't, we just couldn't miss this when you're just talking about Genesis. So I'm going to talk about the three things I want to talk to you about today, okay? There are all these two things. There's the, there's the two men, okay? And then there's the two trees and then the two destinies, okay? Uh, so men, trees, and destinies, all right? You'll see how they all fit together. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about number one. Today won't take as long uh, because there's a foundation already there with the creation, so I don't have to go over all those things again. 
But I want you to, I don't, I don't want you to miss this. So, so number one is what we'll call the two men. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Well, excuse me, don't turn to that. Stay in Romans. I'm only going to be here for a couple of verses. But I want you to see this parallel because we're going to come back to this at the very end. It goes on to say, thus it is written, okay, the first man, Adam, became a living being. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. But Paul is talking about this, this parallel with, he calls it here, the first man or the first Adam. Okay, and then look at the latter part of that verse. You see where it says the last Adam or the second Adam, depending on your translation? Okay, so, so there's something here you need to pick up on. And since the, and since the creation story is kind of fresh, on our, on our minds, this makes a great time to look at it. Okay. So the first, let's, let's not miss anything because the great, the, the reason to, the, the reason most people get confused with some of these passages is because they go flying by them and then they, they don't ask themselves just a few simple questions. Okay. Thus is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. Well, we know that story. We just talked about it. We spent, spent several weeks ago, but we spent, we spent two or three weeks on the thought of, of became a living soul. That is, God formed him in the dust and breathed into his nostrils, inspired him with the breath of life, and he became a living soul. Body, soul, and spirit we talked about a few weeks ago. There's no way for me to cover all that again, but if you've kind of been here for some of that, then this is really going to take hold for you. Okay. So the first man, Adam, became a living being. Now it goes on to talk about then in this comparison that the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Okay, a life-giving spirit. So the first Adam in this comparison, he was the one who, when life, really, that, that life began. But also, you have now with this last Adam, this, this picture of a, of a spiritual look. Okay, Jeff, is this kind of mystical? No, 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 not at all. We learned that when Adam was created, he was created with body, soul, and spirit. Body being the house we live in, the soul, mind, will, and emotions, and the spirit it is that understanding, that acknowledgement, that that understanding of that, that we were created to have a relationship with the God who created us. So, so it's, 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 it's deeper than just mind, will, and emotions. But I want you to see in verse 46, because this is huge, we'll come back to this at the very end. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but it's the natural. So as you're putting these two together, okay, the natural's first, then the spiritual. So you've, you've got this comparison, you've got this picture, you've got this type between Adam and Christ, this connection. And again, you're going to see more of it in just a minute, but I just want you to, I wanted you to see these couple of, you know, verses to let you see that obviously that's what it's talking to us about. And since we're fresh on it, let's take a look at it. All right. So skip now to, to Romans chapter five. And this is, uh, this is the, the last part about these two men putting these two together. And it takes it takes it real straightforward here. Take a look now, if you will, in, uh, in chapter five and verse 12. It says, therefore, it says, just as sin came into the world through one man. Okay. 
Now we understand this thought. We'll talk more about it in just a minute. But, but there, part of the comparison is, is, that, is that Adam, obviously, was the one that it was through him that sin even entered the world. There was no such thing as that, obviously, in, among, 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 uh, among men. So it says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. Okay? And so death spread to all men because all have sinned. For sin, was in, uh, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin had not count, was not counted where there is no law. All right, now let's go back and walk through that slowly, all right? So sin entered the world through Adam, and then with sin, okay, comes death. Wages of sin is death. And so it was through one that all, and because Adam sinned, that's what's called the fall. This picture of, this picture of that when, is that his whole race, that is including all of us, we're, we are sinners, okay? Uh, we sin because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. Does that make sense to you? Therefore, the picture here is it's who we are, okay? Our world around us tries to tell us that no, no, it's just choices. No, no, you are. That is who you are because it was passed on to you. And it was brought into the world by, by Adam. Now, this is an interesting thing. When you look at this thing that we call the fall, keep hanging with me here because the submarine goes a little bit deeper, but it'll, it'll, the benefits are huge if you'll keep hanging with me. And so we're talking then, we're talking then about, about Adam, obviously, that brought, that brought sin into the world. And guys, it's all in us if we're, if we're, if we're honest with ourselves. Um, if we're really honest, we, we see that. The thing I love to use with you, what is it that's inside of us? That, that I mean, some of us are a bit worse than others in this area of sin. That makes, that makes sense. In fact, when you have, I have multiple children and some of them are a bit worse than others. Does that make sense? Some of them, but all of us have it. And the, the worn out illustration that was just such a great one for me, you know, um, what is it? What is it? It's in that that thing that's in us. And I told you this illustration lots of times, but I just can't get away from it. It's like when I when I was prescribed medicine, and on on the bottle it said you cannot have grapefruit while you're taking this medicine. And then what is it that is inside of me? Right, I began to long for grapefruit because I couldn't have it, right? And I don't even really like grapefruit, right? So what is that? What is the, there, that thing that's in us, okay? Some of us have it worse than others. But it's that, it's that thing, that sin that was passed on to all of us. Therefore, a child is not born uh, with this clean slate, no, they're born into sin. The scripture teaches this pretty clearly. In fact, if you're honest, if you've ever had kids, you know that to be the case. The only the people that think that kids are born with a clean slate are only the people who don't have any kids. Does that make sense? We all that have had kids, we know better. So we're born that way, okay? Now we can be taught, we can be trained, we can do different things, but it comes now. 
Keep hanging with me. So it says here that, that sin reigned from Adam to Moses. Now, what was the time between Adam and Moses? The time between Adam and Moses was a time when there wasn't any law, right? But just because you're ignorant of the law, right, doesn't mean that you're also not accountable to it or that it's not true. So it says death reigned from Adam to Moses, even though, okay, even over those uh, you know, whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Now look at this. Who Adam, who what? Who was a type? So it tells us straight out what it's talking about. Who was a type of the one who was to come? So then Adam and Christ, the first one and the last one, or the first Adam, second Adam, first Adam, last Adam, however you want to say it, there's a picture here that you need to see. There's something hidden underneath for you to understand. So, so he goes on to say the two, but it's not so much, you know, like, like when I talk to you about the ark, Noah and the ark, I want you to see, I want you to see this picture. The, you know, that judgment was coming, Right? God gave his word to Noah. There was this boat that was built. So the boat with the, with the tar, the pitch that was put around it and made it, you know, water, you know, water. It kept all the water out, which represented judgment. So you have this picture of this ark as a type or a picture of who Christ is. Therefore, the ark is a picture of the cross in Christ. Therefore, the ark carried those who put their faith and trust in God through the waters of judgment, the same way that Christ. And, and so you have this type, this picture, this comparison. But in this particular case, I don't think it's, it's as much as a comparison as it is a contrast. Take a look at it. Because it says that the free gift is not like the trespass. What's the trespass? The sin that Adam brought into the world. See, therefore, Adam brought sin into the world but Jesus is going to bring a free gift into the world. One brought death into the world. The other is going to bring life in the world. So you have then this picture. For the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's sin, then much more, how much more? The grace of God and the free gift of that grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. Okay, so it's even talking about the one act, the one act of sin that, dad, that Adam gave us brought sin and death to everyone, but the one act of who Christ is also brought forgiveness and life. Okay, so he's making this, making this. Now, let me just share some things with you too. They're a little bit controversial. I thought I'd share it right in the middle, right? But I don't see it as controversial. I just see it is. I want you to understand that the scripture does not leave any room for Adam and Eve being allegorical or fictional characters. Does that make sense to you? The scripture leaves no room for that. Because either Adam was an actual person that brought sin into the world because the comparison here or the contrast is the picture that Adam, the first Adam, brought sin into the world. The second Adam, or the last one, which is Christ, brought an answer to sin. So there's no room for that. People have tried to marry different scientific theories with this, 
with the scriptures in this particular case. And I'm here to tell you, if you, if you start, if you start saying, well, that's just, uh, that, that's not what really happened. That's just allegorical. You know, you know, it's kind of like a, a tale that has a moral to the story. I want you to understand you pretty much lose everything the scripture teaches. Okay. It's just, it's just the truth. Because the scriptures, like here in Romans, it compares the two side by side. And if one didn't happen, then the other didn't. Therefore, if it wasn't sin, Adam's sin that brought sin into the world, then because then it, it compares it directly as that's who Christ is and what he did when he died on the cross for our sins. So the two go hand in hand. You can't separate them. Okay. That was just a little sideline. I wanted you to come back. But that's, that's a sticking point for a lot of people. It's not for me, not at all, not even close. But so many that want so many things to be true, they will blindly walk into things and deny things that causes everything to crumble. That's an amazing thing. All right. So let's continue on with this, uh, with this thought back in here. All right, take a look at what it says. Let's uh, look at verse 15 again. But the free gift is not like the trespass, that is the sin. For if many died through one man's trespass, how much more the grace of God and the free gift by that grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. Okay, for the judgment following one sin brought condemnation, but the free gift following many sins brought justification, which means being right with God. It's just basically saying, okay, it's, it sounds like it's, it's going back and forth kind of this riddle, but basically what it's saying is, is that because of who Adam is, he brought sin into the world, because of who Christ is, he brought an answer to that sin, right? He says one, one act brought sin into the world. One act obviously brought life into the world. And he, he starts to walk down through these so that you can understand. So keep hanging with me here, right? So he wants to say, for if, look at verse 17, for if because of one man's sin, death reigned through that one man, much more those who received the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, that is being made right with God, reign in life through one man the one man, Jesus Christ. So you have this comparison of these two men and what they came to do. Okay, so part of what they came to do, so you have the two men. Number two is the two trees. The two trees. Okay, well, first tree, okay, well, Jeff, what are you talking about? Well, if we're talking about who the first Adam, last Adam, then we're talking about the two trees that they faced and the difference that those two trees made. I just wanted you to see this. Because there's so much more in the scriptures for those who truly want to know. If you want to know, it's all there. And it is remarkable how it lines up. But let's talk about these two trees. The first tree, this was the tree. The knowledge, obviously, as we talked about a few weeks, the knowledge of good and evil. Chapter 2, verse 17 but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. According to the day that you eat that, you will die. So then God created us different. We've talked about this. He created you in his image. He created you for so much more. We'll take a look at it a little bit when destiny's in a minute, but I want to jump ahead and just get your mind there. We're going to talk about next week when we talk about the thought that God created you for more. He created you, as it says in Ecclesiastes, he says he's put eternity in your heart. 
And yet you're living in, a, in time and space. You're living in the temporary. That is why that there's nothing in this world that ever satisfies you. You know, God created you to be content. Why? How do you know that, Jeff? Well, because that's what everybody is gunning for and nobody ever seems to find. And yet he created you to be content, but you will never be content in the temporary because he created you for an eternity, for those of you who have ears to hear. And so there's so much about this, and this is what we're going to kick off next week. But I wanted to give you a little bit of look in it so that you can see with this piece here that God created Adam in his image and which is all the rest of us were created in his image. What's what makes us uniquely different in the way that we think and the things that are in us? There's a lot to be understood by that. As he created in his image, he did not create a robot. He created someone who could think for themselves and choose for themselves. Therefore, choice had to be given. We've talked about this a few weeks ago. Choice had to be given. If there is no choice, it doesn't matter how luxurious the jail cell is. It doesn't matter how luxurious the jail cell is. It's still a jail cell if you don't have choice. Does that make sense to you? So he, he was given choice, the freedom. The freedom to love God or to not love him. The freedom to obey or to not obey. It's a choice. And it was all wrapped up in one commandment. There weren't 10, there weren't 12, there weren't, you know, what? Over a million on the book laws and books in our lands, all right? There was only one. You had the one commandment, here's the tree, don't eat. Because in the day that you eat it, you will understand what evil is. And the difference between the two and it will become a fallen state. The day that you eat it, you'll die. Did he die? Absolutely. We talked about body, soul, and spirit. Obviously, spirit died immediately. The relationship with God was, was severed. Obviously, the soul part of us, the mind, will, and emotions, that began to degrade, and then obviously the body did too as you take a look at what happened. So this whole picture then of this, this tree goes on to talk in, in chapter three, verse one. You know, the serpent was more crafty and he said to the woman, did God actually say you're not to eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said, well, we could eat you know, of anything, right? Uh, except for the one tree in the midst of the garden. And she said, if we, you know, basically if we eat of it or even touch it, we'll die. And, he's, and here's what, I want you to see what the serpent says. You're not going to die. For God knows that when your eyes, when you, when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Is that true? Yeah. But then it goes on to say, you'll be like God. Was that true? No. So there's enough truth in it, but it made... You know, I, you know, it's an incredible thing to me. You know, I said, people say the question, hey, you know, don't, you know, don't knock it till you try it kind of thing. Well, you know, you don't have to try something to know, right? You don't have to experience something to know. You know, arsenic. Some of you are listening. Arsenic. I don't have to experience arsenic to know that it'll kill me. 
right? Don't let these people, don't let people bait you into, oh, don't knock it till you've tried it. No, you can know without trying, right? You really can, but that's another message for another time. So she saw his good trait, and obviously they ate, died, got afraid, uh, and ran for God. So, so you, then you have this first tree, and what did it do? It, it, again, like Adam, it brought sin into the world. But take a look at this next one. This is the second tree. All right? Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse uh, 24. Now, why does it call it this? I, I think it has directly to do with what we're talking about. Look at this. He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on what? On the tree. Was it a tree? No, it was a cross. Then why not just call it a cross? There's another instance where it's called a tree. Because I think he's making, I think he's making this parallel. Jeffrey, are you sure? Well, take a look at the rest of it. First of all, he bore his, our sins. And what was it that the first tree brought into the world? Sin. Because of it, right? And then the second tree came to deal with it. So then you had the same picture with Adam and the last Adam. So you have this tree and you have that tree and you begin to put them together. And then when we take a look at the next one, they'll, they'll make perfect sense to you when you see just what happened. So he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. That is live being right with him because of what Christ did for us. So the... The first tree brought sin and eventual death, but the second one brought life. Same with the two, the first Adam, the last Adam, the first tree, the second tree, if you're trotting along with me. One other verse, I'll just let you see it, and again, it doesn't take much, but Acts 5, uh, 30 says, the God of our fathers raised Jesus, uh, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. So there's the there's this picture of a tree, which in reality it was a cross, and it is, it is referred to as a cross most of the time. But why would it be referred to as a tree? All right? If my house is built of wood, I don't call it a tree house. I call it a house. Why? Well, yeah, it was made from a tree, but you don't call it a tree anymore. So the picture here is the parallel that's being shared. I don't know, it's pretty amazing. Number three, just about done. The two destinies. The two destinies. Now, we're going to go back and take a look at a couple of the others, and then we're just about done. And then we'll make some, we'll, we'll put some of these things together and let you see them. But there are two different thoughts here and two things that are put together when you put these two and they, become, they come together. And you see, you see what one brought, and then you see what the other brought. And, and you see the scripture calls them a type. Now, let's go back to Romans chapter five. And I'm going to go ahead and read what we've already read to give us a good running start into the last part of it that shares with you more about a destiny. Let's take a look at it. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, that is the time where there wasn't a law that was given, even over those whose sinning is not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. 
But the free gift is not like the trespass or the sin. For if many died through one man's sin or trespass, much more, okay, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin, for the judgment following one sin brought condemnation, but the free gift uh, following many, many sins brought justification, that is being right with God. Now we're almost there. Verse 17, for if because of one man's sin, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Now, we've, just, we've talked about all that. That just is a rereading of it. Now, look at verse 18. I've, I've told you a thousand times, when you go, run, when you go reading through the scriptures and you bump up against this word, therefore, as I told you so many times, you need to stop and see what it's there for. And so, so therefore, if you'd gone to sleep reading the previous part, you need to go back and reread it. Okay? Because what's about to be said is written because of what you just read. And what did we just read? We just read and talked about how the difference between one man's sin and then one man's act obviously can make a difference. The one man's sin brought death and a reign of death. The one man's act obviously of the free gift or of grace, it brought, it brought forgiveness and life. And so you have then these contrasts, these pictures. Therefore, it says there, therefore as one Trespass led to condemnation for all of us, okay? So one act of righteousness, that is what Christ did at the cross, leads to justification, that is being right. The word justify means to make something right that wasn't right. Therefore, the process of justification is making us right those who aren't right. That is by one act of what Christ did. Their one act called our whole race to fall into sin. Their one act caused, obviously, justification, right? Being made right with God. Now, for as by, verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, we were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, we're made righteous. It's just letting you see how it all ends up. And how this first Adam and the second one are connected. It's just wanting you to see it. Paul's just, he's spending a lot of time here and in 1 Corinthians, so you can see this. I just thought it was important you to see it since we're in, the, we're in Genesis, we're finished in this Genesis. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. What does that mean? Okay. Well, what's the reason for the law? Okay, well, what's the reason for God giving us his commandments if we're all sinners anyway? It's so you can see it. Does that make sense? It's so you can see it. A person doesn't even know if they're rebellious unless they're put in a situation to rebel. Does that make sense? Oh, they could have a rebellious heart, but just nothing to rebel with, right? Therefore, the law came in to increase the trespass. What does that mean? That means that the law came to show us that we couldn't live by it. 
Okay, that's the, that's the grapefruit thing. Don't, you know, don't tell me. And I, I guess I like to say some of us are a bit worse than others. But don't, I don't even like grapefruit. But don't tell me I can't have grapefruit. I know it's there in me, therefore. But if I don't have any way, you know, if I don't have anything that shows it to me, therefore God's law is not there for you. Not, not that you're able to live by it. It's there just to show you that you can isn't that incredible? And yet 90% of churches teach that you have to live by God's law in order to be right with him. And yet it tells us in that passage that the law only came into the world to show you that you couldn't do it. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it amazing how easy it is to miss God's message? I grew up in a church, a very conservative church, to where that's all they ever taught you were how you were supposed to live, but they didn't teach you that you couldn't live that way. You needed a gift. You needed something that God could give to you that you would be made right with him apart from your own performance. That's why it's called grace. The Bible's all about this. It's just people rarely ever stop and read it from themselves. And all they ever know about the scriptures or about Christ is what they hear other people say. But it is, it is so clear. The only reason God gave us the law, because death reigned from Adam to Moses when there was no law. But he gave us the law so that you might be able to see you can't live by it. Therefore, the law came to increase the trespass. In other words, it came to show you how needy you really were. But where sin increased, grace abounded or increased all the more. That's pretty good news, by the way. So that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Christ our Lord. And there's the eternal picture. It says that God put eternity in your heart. Therefore, nothing else is going to satisfy you. That's why you have a hard time coming up with purpose and meaning in your life outside of who God is. Okay, let me, let me tell you what I mean. Right? Have you ever asked anybody? Most of the time they don't want to talk about it because they get frustrated. If you ever ask anybody, hey, what do you think, what is it that brings meaning in your life? What do you feel your purpose is? You know, and I, I can't tell you how many times, but if you come up with any answer, it just seems so trivial. Let me tell you what I mean. Right? Listen, it doesn't have to be negative things. It can be positive. Right? Uh, let's say that, well, you know, my thing is, is exercise. All right, God bless you. There's a lot of you in here, that's, that's important to you. And God bless you, knock yourself out. But, but if that's what your life is all about, that seems a little trivial, doesn't it? Right? Well, let me tell you what my life's all about. My life's all about good food. Okay, well, good for you. Knock yourself out, but, so you're telling me your life's purpose is, is to eat? Your life's, purpose, your, your life's purpose is to, is to jog? 
Seems a little trivial, doesn't it? And come up with anything. And you're going to have a hard time. Why? Because nothing temporary will ever fill it for you. That's why you need something else. And it's called eternal. Can you go back to the verse? Eternal life through Christ our Lord. If your future is secure, is eternal, then there's lots of purpose and meaning. But if it's only about the temporary fixes that you can get, you're going to have a hard time coming up with point and purpose and meaning. Why? Because you were made for more. You were made for more. Not just an animal satisfying hunger or sexual desire. You were made for more. Body, soul, and spirit. Is that not incredible stuff? All right? Yeah. That's who you are. That's why you have these pictures of what he's trying to say. And I know I've taken it a little bit deeper today, but I've wanted you to see the depths of the riches that are found in his word. And it's there if you want to know it. It's there if you want to know it. I'll share with you one other, and then will be done. It's just a couple of verses, but in 1 Corinthians 15, this is the magnum opus. If you want to know about the resurrection, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians is it. Okay? The whole chapter. But it goes on to say this. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. Right? What is sown is perishable. Now, if you remember, we'll get back to it in just a minute in here. But if you remember, we said that the natural is first, then the spiritual. Right? So it goes on to say, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. So what is sown is perishable. Now, what's perishable? That is the natural. The dust. Right? Created from the dust of the ground to the dust you'll return. So it is with the resurrection dead. What is sown is perishable, but what's going to be raised is imperishable. Makes sense what he's saying? What's sown in dishonor is going to be raised in glory. What is sown in weakness is going to be raised in power. Okay? What is sown is the natural body, but it is raised spiritual. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual. Thus it is written, it says there, that the first man, Adam, became a living being, right? Natural, formed of the dust. We ought to call it the order of the dust. And we're all members. The order of the dust. I like that. It could be a club, the order of the dust. Because it gives you a good picture of who you are. That is the outside part of who you are. First man became a living being. Last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that's first. The natural, then the spiritual. So he's giving you just the picture. If you have ears to hear this, you're seeing what he's talking about. It makes perfect sense because of what he's put inside of us. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second is from heaven. And as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. The order of the dust. All right, I came up with that. I know you said, yeah, Jeff, I know. Okay, here we go. All right, continue. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Okay, now don't miss this. Just as we have been born, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, 
we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. You get what it's saying there? Okay, so at the resurrection, there's a coming time when you will have the image of the one who created you. Adam was created from the dust. We have that image. That's the natural. If anyone's in Christ, he's of what? A new creation. You'll have that image too. What is sown, okay, in weakness is raised in power. Wow. So again, what is sown that is perishable, what will be raised is imperishable. Everybody can see it. So as I'm, I'm, I'm closing here, this thought, these are the things when you think about foundations, when you think about the pictures, this first Adam, the second Adam, and what Paul is sharing with us in both Romans and in 1 Corinthians, you need a good working relationship with Genesis chapter one through three to really get a good picture of what these verses are talking about. But when you begin to put them all together and see how they fit, it is incredible, as the scriptures would say, oh, the depths of the riches found in God's word. All right? Wonderful. If there's never been a time in your life you put your faith and trust in him, if you'd like to know what that means, uh, then uh, there'll be some people up here afterwards that would love to talk with you. There's also booklets that explain it clearly. Uh, it has the word C1 on them. You'll see it under a sign that says, got questions. And you can pick one up. That's no, no charge. It'd be just, you can just stop by and grab one. You just, just get one and take it with you. But as, if you're a believer here today, this is how we transition into next week. Who has God called us to be? And what does that look like? And the strength to be who he's called us to be in this new creation. I look forward to sharing that with you next week. Let's all stand. We'll have a closing word of prayer. Come on up, um, Anthony. And um, good to have you guys today and have a great holiday. Uh, by the way, I don't know if y'all realized this, but, but college football's begun. Yeah, yeah. I just thought I would just wanted to share that in case some of you didn't pick up on it. And uh, that's a personal note for me. But uh, anyway, but God bless you guys. Have a great holiday weekend. If you are a guest with us, I'm heading to the guest reception. Love to shake your hand afterwards today. All right. But, uh, but God bless. Have a great day.